Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here. I want to remind you that God gave to the Jewish people seven feast days. There's the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, and then 50 days after First Fruits, there was the Feast of Pentecost. Those are the four spring feasts. There are three feasts in the fall, and that would be the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, Jesus Christ did fulfill all four of the spring feast in the proper day sequences when he was here 2,000 years ago. Let me tell you this, he will fulfill all three of the fall feast as well when he comes back. The Feast of God is a Bible study, a five-hour audio series on CD that you need to have a copy of. We would love for you to get your copy of it. Passover and the Signature of God, a trio of Feast, Pentecost for Israel and the Church, the Sound of Trumpets, and Tabernacles in the Last Days. Those are the titles of this five-hour series. And uh, I tell you what, why don't we just listen right now to an introduction to this series, then I will tell you how you can get your copy of the series, The Feast of God. Here is the introduction to this series. In my opinion, one of the most significant studies as it relates to us being able to see the signature of God on His Word. We're going to be calling the Holidays of God. And it is dealing with the feast that God gave, appointed times that God gave to the Jewish people. They had a historical background, of course. They were connected, had an agricultural background. And there was a spiritual significance to these feasts. And you're going to see as we study through the seven feasts. But in addition to that, there was a prophetic significance or a prophetic perspective to every single one of these feasts. But you know, as you and as I have been studying for 46 years, since I came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, when I was 11 years old in Miami, Florida, December 23rd, 1951, at 1035 in the morning in the basement of the Flagler Street Baptist Church, as I have been studying for these 46 years, I've endeavored to try to get into the book and determine, is it really absolutely beyond any shadow of a doubt as I can determine, the actual Word of God? Oh, we say it's the Word of God, I have put my faith and the statements in it that it is the Word of God. But as I've been studying for these 46 years, one of my adventures has been to determine if I could see the actual signature of God. If it is indeed His Word, it seems to me that He would plainly sign those writings that He had given us. Or maybe not by a that I could determine was God's name written out, but definitely by those things that I was able to read in the book that would tell me he had put his approval on the book. He had authenticated this book because I'm basing all of my life today on this book. I'm basing all of my eternal existence on this book. And I'm going forth standing upon the authority of the Word of God and so I would love to have the opportunity to see the signature of God on the book. There have been four areas I have been able to see some of the evidences of the signature of God. One, for example, is the historic truthfulness and faithfulness that God's Word presents. Look over in the book of Genesis with me, chapter 11, just a second. 
Let me show you something in Genesis. Let me take just a moment. Genesis chapter 11, a very interesting story. I love the book of Genesis. What a power-packed book it is. So much neat information in all of the first 12 chapters, for example. First 12 chapters record 2,000 years of human history with the creation, the special effects of creation, the fall of man, the story of Cain and Abel, genealogies before the flood, the story of Noah and the flood in chapters 6, 7, and 8, Noah after the flood in chapter 9, uh, genealogies after the flood of Jebeth, Ham, and, 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 uh, and, and uh, Shem. As they go, I'll get it, I've been studying for 46 years, I know those names. And as we go into the, into the future, looking forward to the peoples that are going to be coming out of Noah, becoming his grandsons and his descendants on down through the corridors of time. Uh, chapter 11 as where we're coming to now. Chapter 12, of course, call of Abraham out of other counties when he comes over and enters into the promised land. But chapter 11 has always been a very interesting story that maybe there's been some skepticism possibly even entering your mind as to the validity of the story. You know the story. Just let me rehearse it a minute with you. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. By the way, that's modern-day Iraq where they came and found this plain. And they said one to another, Go to, let us build brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime. They had for mortar, and they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered upon the face of the whole earth. Now they come in, by the way, going against the command of God. Back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. That's the first command in the Word of God. Then the first command, and in fact, the first statement after Noah and the flood, Genesis chapter 9, Noah after the flood was be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And now here Nimrod, that's who's going over here, chapter 10 in the genealogies, verses 8, 9, and 10, are telling us that Nimrod came forth from uh, Ham, uh, from Cush, and he comes forward, and he goes into Babel, and that's the beginning of his kingdom, a mighty hunter who goes over to this place called Babel, which is, you can find it on the map today. If you look at a map, and if you were looking at the map of Iraq right here, Euphrates would come out of the north, and the Tigris would come out of the north, and they would verge together, and they would go into the Persian Gulf. When you come where they uh, merge together, come up from the Persian Gulf, and then go up the Euphrates about 100 miles, and you come to the place called Babylon today. It's alive and well on planet Earth. And it was the, that was the beginning of Nimrod's kingdom. And they go there, and they're now going to go against what God said to do. They're going to say, hey, listen, we're not going to spread out over the world and fill the earth with people like God commanded us to do in Genesis 9-1. Instead, we're going to build us a great city here. And Nimrod says, we're going to use this brick and slime to build us a tower that's going to reach all the way into heaven. You see, they were going against what God said to do. So God says, let's go. And by the way, it's in the plural here. He gets the Holy Spirit and he gets God the Son, Jesus. And he said, let's go. And they come down to the earth. Verse 7, go to, let us go down there and confound their language that they might be understood, not be understood, one uh, another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from the fence, from the, uh, upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build a city. They quit almost at the moment before they got finished building a city, and God and, his, and the Trinity came to stop this whole thing. Now, for a long time, people say, wait a minute, is that real? Let me show you one of the historical evidences 
of the fact that this is true. The French government sent several archaeologists and professors over to Babel, or Babylon, to do an investigation. Martin and I both have a friend, Charlie Dyer, who is uh, the number two man at Dallas Seminary, who has been twice into Babylon. I was just with another gentleman who has been to Babylon, has seen everything I'm talking about. And the French sent their people in there, and they found a tower, and I can't go into all the information because of time limits, but they found a tower that they have determined is the base. The tower's kind of deteriorated, but at least they have determined the foundation of the base. And at the base of this tower was an inscription. And they interpreted this inscription. And let me read you the interpretation of this inscription given by King, uh, written by King Nebuchadnezzar. The tower, the eternal house which I founded and built, I have completed its magnificence with silver, gold, and other metals, stone, and enameled bricks, fir, and pine. The first, which is the house of the earth's base, the most ancient monument of Babylon. I built and finished it. I have highly exalted its head with bricks covered with copper. In other words, the top of it, he, they, it wasn't finished. Let me show you. We say for the other, that is, the edifice, the house of the seven lights of the earth, the most ancient monument of Babylon. A former king built it, but he did not complete its head. This is a translation, the inscription written by Nebuchadnezzar at the base of the tower. Since a remote time, people had abandoned it without order expressing their words. And now, archaeological science and investigation has proven the authority of the Word of God, at least in this area of this one narrative of the Tower of Babel. And the fact is that it was there. Nebuchadnezzar put an inscription at the bottom of it because he's going to continue to build this tower to replicate what he thought Nimrod had begun. And that... The head of it had to be finishes, the top of it, and in fact is it looked as he came that the evidence pointed out that they had stopped all of a sudden just exactly like Genesis chapter 11 had indicated. Now I start to see a bit of the signature of God on the Word of God, historically. Thank you so very much for spending a few moments studying the Feast of God. Jesus Christ will fulfill all of the feast. He did fulfill the four spring feast when he was here 2,000 years ago in the proper day sequences. And he will fulfill those last three feasts, the fall feast, the Feast of Rosh Hashanah, or the Feast of Trumpets, of Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, and Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles. If you need more information and a study on Feast of God, you can go to our website and find out how you can make your own order of this five-hour CD series, an audio series available for you. The website address, www.prophecytoday.com. Go to a shopping mall. They will tell you how to make your order. Or you can call our toll-free number. We have friends standing by that would take your order. That toll-free number is 877-674-3298. 877-674-3298. Call today or go to the website and order The Feast of God. Thank you so very much for joining us. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, and I want to remind you that everything we talk about in our Bible studies gives evidence of the soon return of Jesus Christ when he comes back to the earth 
and establishes his kingdom in the city of Jerusalem from the temple on the Temple Mount. Let me say, though, before that, seven years earlier will be the rapture of the church when he will shout, and the archangel will shout, the trumpet of God will sound, and we'll be caught up to be with him in the air. That's the rapture, and the rapture could happen at any moment. Having said that, nothing left for me to say except let's keep looking up until... <laughs> 